Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. Greetings, podcast fans. This Fanboy and the Hater episode will be a discussion and debate about what I call the fandom effect. Or is it my fancy sounding term like it's like some type of doctoral thesis or something? But this is my dumb term for how fandom affects what you choose to watch and how fandom affects your enjoyment of what you watch. And I think this applies like across things like franchises, genres, particular movies or TV shows. Some formats like live action versus animation will come up as well as in some select uh, circumstances, particular actors and directors. And I've been thinking about this topic for a while now, but especially after our recent recordings around the Snyder Cut, as well as some things that I've watched recently that I was rather disappointed by. Uh, How about you, Mike? Do you think about this? I hadn't really thought about it until you started bringing it up a while ago, and I started thinking about some of the things that I really enjoy and some of the things that I don't enjoy. And one of the biggest things that came up to me was Endgame and how I would have enjoyed it either way, but being such a fan, and I've said this a bunch of times, I don't remember if I've said it necessarily on this podcast or not, but still to this day, as many times as I've watched Endgame, I still cry like three or four times in that movie every time I watch it. It has nothing to do with the emotional pull of the movie itself. It's the, I can't believe I'm actually seeing what I'm seeing that I've wanted my entire life and it's done so well. And so I, I don't think I would have nearly the emotional attachment to those movies if I wasn't a fan going into the movies from the beginning. Oh, I can definitely see that. We're going to get into Marvel in a bit because I, I think I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm pretty much as a casual Marvel fan. And that is having a little bit of effect on the things that I'm deciding to watch and, and how much I enjoy it. Or maybe on the flip side, how much I am bothered when I don't like something that also factors into it for me if I'm not a huge fan of it it doesn't really bother me that much but if it's something like DC which we'll get into maybe because I know more about the characters and the stories so I guess that technically would be counted as being more in the fandom mm-hmm. that definitely has an effect on my reaction to the things that I watch and it's probably opposite for me because I've always been a Marvel head and I never really cared that much about DC Believe it or not, as much is I am a fan of Batman and people talk to me as about being a fan of Batman. <laughs> I am much more of a Marvel fan than I am. A, I like Batman as a character and I've, I've seen and read a lot of stuff on Batman, but kind of take it or leave it on DC for a lot of things. So that maybe that's why I can enjoy DC things because I'm not hitting it from like a diehard fanboy perspective. That could be the case. I mean, for me, for Marvel, it's pretty much Spider-Man is really the only thing I'm hugely into a lot of the other stuff i just know very little about yeah Uh, but dc for whatever reason again not a comic book guy but for whatever reason i know a lot more about dc a lot more about the characters a lot more about the stories 
And that seems to definitely bother me at times when I watch that stuff. For those DC movies, like the ones that people tend to hate mm-hmm. on, I'm just looking at them going, oh, that's a cool scene. I really enjoy watching that scene. Overall, the movie might be crap, but I really enjoy particular scenes, and that's why I can enjoy them. Which is interesting, because that's, that's kind of my perspective on Marvel a lot, too. Mm-hmm. The movies weren't great, but there were aspects of them that I enjoyed. All right. Transition! Transition! Well, since we're, as usual, recording this episode while both wearing Star Wars shirts, (laughs) why don't we start with the franchise that we have the biggest shared fandom and probably spend the most time with in some some instances, and that would be Star Wars. So let's start with it from the perspective of, right now, as we're recording this episode, their newest piece of content on Disney Plus is The Bad Batch, mm-hmm. the animated series, which I think at this point has had five episodes. I was just going to ask, is it four or five episodes so I far? I believe I just watched the fifth yesterday, and I think that was the latest episode. Well, I can tell you at this point, for me on Bad Batch, I recently, I can't remember if it was you or Brandon that I had the conversation with, but one of you guys brought up something that's happening in it, and I was like, I didn't even notice that. And that shows how I just don't care. Like, I'm trying to watch it, and I'm just spacing off doing other things. I'm, I'm that uninvested in the show, and I don't know why. It, it feels like it's Clone Wars, but it's so separated from Clone Wars that I just don't care. Yeah, someone online described it as the eighth season of Clone Wars that no one asked for. Yeah. <laughs> and I, at this point, I really can't say that I am enjoying it. It's not bad, but yeah, I, it has a hard time holding my attention I'm struggling with understanding who the intended audience is. Yeah. Like, is it for kids slash families? Is it for Star Wars nerds? I really don't know. I also am struggling with why is this series necessary? (laughs) I mean, I can see they're they're trying to move away from... Everybody's been saying, if you're going to do new Star Wars stories, move away from what we already know in some way, shape, or form. And it's kind of doing that. And now we're going, whoa, not like that. Not like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to turn this into a whole Bad Batch episode, but I think the only reason I'm watching it is because I'm a Star Wars fan. Well, it leads into one of my related questions. Is like, if you say you're a fan of something, so you belong to that fandom, are you required to watch everything in it? No. Okay. And I'm going to say, initially, I want to say yes. Okay. But here's the thing. I've gotten into this conversation quite a few times that people are like, especially when I go to like women that are like, oh, I'm a big Harley Quinn fan. And I start trying to talk to them about the comic books or or the Batman, the animated series, which came from stuff like that. And they know nothing about it. They just like the character. And who am I to say they can't be a fan of that character if they don't know the material? Are they a fan of the character based on what they've seen in live action movies? I think it's from what they see in social media type stuff. Okay. They, they like the look of the character. They like the feel of the character. Do they just like Margot Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> that could be too. Uh, I, I saw a lot of this before those movies came out though. Okay. Um, but I'm just using that as an, an example of who sets rules on whether or not you're a fan of something. Right. I mean, some people, and there's there's probably a good amount of people that they only know the prequel and or the sequel trilogy for Star Wars. They still like Star Wars, even if they don't know the original trilogy. Yeah, there, there have been some people who are like, I think a lot of like really big Star Wars fans only watch the movies. 
Right. I was just going to say that. I'm like, I, I haven't read the books. Does that mean I'm not a Star Wars fan? Well, the, the books and the comics get into a whole other level, but there are some people who just watched like the trilogies, mm-hmm. those nine movies, or maybe they also saw Solo and Rogue One because they were live action movies that were in the theater. Right. And that's it. So like a lot of times, like the Clone Wars and Rebels and now Bad Batch are these animated series. If you don't watch them, I don't think that means you're not a fan. I don't think it means that you have to watch them. It does bring up the interesting related question, though, is if you're not a fan or that big of a fan of Star Wars, why would you watch things like Clone Wars or Rebels or Bad Batch? Right. I mean, what's what's the draw? Other than kids just happen to flipping upon it and going, oh, that's kind of neat. Let's be realistic. Most of us that became fans of Star Wars became fans of Star Wars as kids. And why? Probably because of laser swords and the blasters and the cool action-y stuff. And then later we become bigger fans because of the deeper meanings. I don't know a lot of people that became Star Wars fans because of the deeper meanings from the start. I would agree with that. Like I said, there's probably little to anything that could be as deep of a fandom for me than Star Wars because it literally was the first movie I ever saw in a a theater Mm -hmm. was the first Star Wars movie before it was even called A New Hope. Yeah. So, and again, as we've also said before on the podcast, if the original trilogy had come out relatively recently, we would have very different opinions about it. Yeah. (laughs) The trilogy gets a pass for me on a lot of things. I was like, it's not, they're not great. There's a lot of dialogue problems. There's a lot of low budget type issues. There's a lot of things that I would rip apart other movies for. But that's sort of like sacred ground because right. I loved those movies as a kid. Well, very similar. I think, I mean, these are the first movies you saw in theaters. These are the first movies I saw, like ever, that I remember anyways. And so kind of similar. And what brought me into it, Vader and Yoda. I love those two characters, especially Vader, <laughs> which continues to this day. <laughs> very understandable. So, yeah, I think it comes down to... If I wasn't a Star Wars fan, I would definitely never have even started watching The Bad Batch. Agreed. If I wasn't as big of a Star Wars fan, I wouldn't have started either. Like, if I was just a little bit less, I would have quit after the first episode. Yeah, I would agree. And at this point, I've watched five, and I'll probably stop because I'm really not enjoying it. But similar things happened, too. When the the prequel trilogy came out, I had to go see it because I was a huge Star Wars fan. Right. And maybe I actually enjoyed the prequel trilogy more because I was such a huge Star Wars fan. That could be. I mean, a lot of people don't think it was great. I know that there's a lot of things like the overuse of CGI and wooden acting and terrible dialogue, but I still loved it because it was Star Wars. On the other hand, there's a whole new generation of Star Wars fans that became fans because of that, because they weren't bogged down by the previous fandom. Right. So it could go either way. But it also isn't like a free pass for everything. Like, as we've talked about on the podcast before, I don't like the sequel trilogy. So just because I love Star Wars doesn't mean I'm going to love all of it. But I had to. There was no way, though, that I could say, oh, I just won't watch the sequel trilogy. That was not a possibility. You're right. I agree. Nor was it, oh, I'll just watch them each once. It's like it reminded me of like the the joke in The Simpsons, the comic book guy. It's like. I hated that movie. I will only see it six more times. (laughs) It's like I had to watch the sequel trilogy multiple times. Right. 
And it was not a question of would I, would I watch them or not? Would I rewatch them repeatedly? That was not a question. I definitely was going to, but it was the first trilogy that I didn't like. Yeah. And honestly, I mark those down as ones that overall I don't really like them, but I like scenes. Yes. And so I will continue to watch them. Because <laughs> I have nothing better to do with my time, apparently. <laughs> so let's transition to our other topic that we talk about all the time on the podcast. Superheroes! Yay! <laughs> now this is my favorite. <laughs> so, <laughs> now we already teased a little bit of it earlier about talking a little bit about Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. So for me, again, I think I'm much more of a... Ca- I've come around to thinking that I'm much more of a casual Marvel fan. I've seen all of the movies in the MCU. Not too many of them have I rewatched. Like a lot of like the standalone movies, some of them I've literally only seen once. The team-up movies, like the Avengers movies, I've seen multiple times. And I think I've actually enjoyed the team-up movies more. Huh. And that's because I don't really know a lot about the individual characters. Like, going into the MCU, I knew very little. Of, I knew who Captain America and Iron Man were. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I knew a lot about the Hulk. I don't know why. I knew a little bit about <laughs> Thor. When Hawkeye and the Black Widow showed up in the movies, even before the first Avengers movie... I had no idea. Did they invent those characters for the movies? Were these characters in the comics? I had no idea because I'm not. I'm also not a comic book guy. But it also didn't bother me. It wasn't like, ooh, who's Hawkeye? I need to go look him up. Or who's Black Widow? Or is that the way Iron Man's supposed to act? None of these questions like even popped into my head. It's just like, I'm just going to watch it. It's a superhero thing. That's interesting. But I, I guess on that side of things, as much as I am a superhero fan and I knew the books... I wasn't really that into Iron Man either. I wasn't really that into Captain America. I knew who they were. They had popped up in some of the books that I had read, so I at least had a general idea. So when they do come up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's perfect characterization for what I knew them for. But, yeah, I don't know. And that's where I'm torn is, did I only watch them because I was fan, a fan? Probably. Honestly, when, when Iron Man first came out and the Hulk movie started coming out and I started seeing that they're actually able to do comic book movies the right way, I was so excited. Previous to that, we'd had uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and we had the X-Men movies. And while I watched them and I enjoyed them for what they were, the back of my head because of the fandom was they did that so wrong. I mean, it's nice to see that they're doing something with it, but not good. And it could have been so much better if they would have just stuck with the material that they had. Yeah, the the fandom in general around superheroes definitely affected me because, like I said, growing up for me, it was pretty much animation. I mean, I read some comic books, but it was pretty much all animation. And again, the filmmaking technology just couldn't do justice right. to a lot of that stuff. Like, again, I, I like the Christopher Reeves superhero movies. I, I watched them, but, I mean, they weren't great superhero movies because he really couldn't do much with the technology. There was some really bad... There was a really bad Spider-Man live-action television series attempted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where the webbing was just clearly ropes and they were swinging around. So, I mean, it was a long time before it's like, okay, finally we can do live-action with obviously a lot of CGI involved. But it didn't look terrible, and we could actually make superheroes look better. So if I wasn't already, although again, this is whole thing of like, is this action movies with superpowers? So you didn't have to even have that background. But I was definitely excited to see a live action version of animation. 
Well, and people don't realize that around that Spider-Man time, a little bit after that, they also tried doing a Captain America movie. We had like a weird, like foam helmet thing. Oh god, I actually own it. It's terrible. <laughs> I even remember the original. Not to we'll get to DC too. It's like not just to use Marvel. I remember the old Flash series, mm-hmm. which was again for its time was okay, but it was like it was just so che- a lot of stuff back then was kind of cheesy or even like Batman 66. It's like, it wasn't the superhero ish aspects of it. were not done well because of, because they couldn't Hulk. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. But like, and there's also people, a lot of people don't realize this. There was a fantastic four movie too, where the thing was like an obvious rubber suit. Thing. Oh, it was, <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty sure that was one that was so bad. They never even released it. Like you, you can go find like set photos. It's bad. Mm-hmm. But again, being a fan though, like even the Fantastic Four movies that did come out, I still try to like them, mm-hmm. just just because I want to like them that much. When the the second one came out with Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer was always one of my favorite characters. I so badly want to like that movie, and I keep trying to watch it to enjoy it more, and I just can't enjoy it any more than I do. But it's not good, unfortunately. Well, that goes back to one of the points you were raised earlier, and this is why I've never had this issue with Marvel stuff. Since I know so little about the characters because I didn't read the comic books, there was almost never going to be a time where I'd be like, oh, that's not the way that character is supposed to act, or that's not the right origin story, or mm-hmm. these two characters shouldn't be in conflict because that doesn't... None of that would even have the chance of happening with Marvel because I knew virtually nothing. Right. So I was just going into it. It's like, show me a superhero thing and entertain me. Right. Well, that's actually similar to that. You get the other franchises like the Harry Potters and Lord of the Rings that there's a huge fan base before the movies came out that I was not a part of at all. So then the movies came out. I'm like, why is this good? Yeah. Like the Harry Potter movies. I never read the books. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah. you have to read the books. It's like, I'd rather watch the movies. <laughs> it's not right. that I, it's not that I don't like to read. I do. But it's like, they're pretty big books, and there's a lot of them. I'll just watch the movies, and I enjoyed the movies. Yeah, I did too. I And I never would, and, and that's another example. It's like, I didn't have a mental image of what Harry Potter would look like, or how Hermione would act, right? or Harry and Ron's relationship. Is that the right? I, I had none of that. Okay, cool. Maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. I don't even care if it's book accurate. I enjoyed the movies. Yeah, that's and that's kind of where I'm going. The Harry Potter movies were done so well. Again, like you said, I enjoyed them for what they are. Like, I'm not a big fan of them, but they're good movies. Mm-hmm. But then like Lord of the Rings, without having read any of those, I'm looking at it going, okay, it looks good, but why is this interesting? And I was a little bit conflicted on that. I actually did read the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are long stretches of the books that are kind of boring. Mm-hmm. They did a fairly, and it comes down to, they did a fairly faithful adaptation. And maybe because they were too faithful, it drifted into areas that non-Tolkien fans weren't going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes those movies get frustrating for you and others to watch. Because it's like, once you get away from like the action and stuff and get more into the lore, that's appealing to a different fan base. And if you're not a fan of Tolkien, then you're probably going to start to lose interest in that type of stuff. But I think you can't enjoy them without having read the books. But I think people who have read the books really love the the Lord of the Rings stuff more. Right. And that's wrong. Well, I mean, that's again, it looks cool. I mean, there's parts of it. And even the lore things, I'm like, that's 
the lore parts of the Lord of the Rings that I, from what I remember looking at and watching was like, oh, that's, that's interesting, but it doesn't go anywhere. Right. And why would I continue to watch it if it doesn't go anywhere? Right. And maybe it did in the books. I don't know, but. Well, that also comes back to, too, is the stuff, and, and some people said this, too, about things that happened in Harry Potter, because obviously in a book, a lot of stuff that's not shown through either action or dialogue can be explained in a book, because you can just read chapters yeah. and chapters of, like, what's going on inside characters' heads and what are the other ancillary stories. You're watching a movie or a TV show, it's mainly action and dialogue. Maybe occasionally you get some exposition to explain something, but... Yeah. Everything has to be more visual. Where in a book, you can have a whole chapter that's just like, here's some background information that you may or may not be interested in, but in a movie or a TV show, it, it would just bore people to death. Do you think eventually we're going to get movies that have like inner dialogue narration a la The Wonder Years? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if that's a way to help solve it, but yeah, there there's difficulties with that, Tim. Again, that's where, again, fandom comes into play. It's like it, people who were fans of the Harry Potter books, no matter whether or not they liked how the movies turned out, which I think for the most part, the book lovers love the movies as well. Yeah, from what I understand. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't going to watch the movies. Same right. thing with like Tolkien fans. There were some diehard Tolkien fans that took had some issues with some of the stuff, but they weren't going to not see the movies. Right. And again, if you're a comic book nerd, you're definitely going to see the superhero stuff. But you might get more, I mean, again, the stuff with the, the comic book stuff, I think, brings up stuff that is more open either to interpretation or doing things differently. Like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings were fairly faithful to their source material, mm -hmm. but their source material was not as diverse and different than the source material for comic books. Like in comic books, there's not one way to do a character. A lot, of, right. a lot of characters have had multiple iterations over the years where they actually have had completely different origin stories and been involved in completely different types of relationships with other characters and other storylines. Right. So being, quote-unquote, faithful to the story, or the, to the, faithful to the source material, quote-unquote, is something that you almost can't really do in comic books. But the thing is, most characters have kind of like a, a center. Okay. Like there's certain things about them that don't change. Okay. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as the characters are done fairly well, they can adapt the storylines all they want. Okay. Because I mean, a very difficult to adapt a comic book to a movie perfectly. As we've seen, it can be done in a series, which I hope we see more of, but comic books are already very visual. Whereas books are just words and it's all imaginative. So adapting a book into a movie, you can almost exactly adapt it, and then it gives a visual to it, so it is something kind of new. But if you adapt a comic book directly to a movie or TV show, what are you adding to it other than some motion? So you have to adapt, you have to change it a little bit, add a little bit of creativity to make it worth doing. I think that's a very important point, and that it is something that you don't get with, like I said, the examples we just used, the Harry Potter and, and Lord of the Rings stuff. So, yeah, yeah. because it's already a, a visual medium, there are expectations for what the characters might look like. And on the other hand, you've also got the diehard fans who are like, why didn't you adapt this perfectly in exactly the way that I saw it in the comic books? Like, well, why would they? 
I mean, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see once, but you're, you've already read it. You already know the story. Nothing's going to surprise you. Well, that's like the thing, though, that seems to be different, though, with comic books, because you brought that up before, too, that if all they do is directly adapt to comic book stories, where's the creativity in that? Right. I mean, the Harry Potter books, I mean, if you read the books, you wouldn't be surprised by anything that happened. Same that's thing true. with Lord of the Rings. You know exactly what's going to happen. They are directly adapting. They had to change a few things just because it was a movie, but there are no surprises. The big plot twists and surprises, you know everything You know everything that's coming if you've read the books. Right. Comic books, though, it's like they do things. If they only did that, people would be like, well, all she did was what's in the comic book. But then it's also the, well, in this run, it was like this. And in this other run, yeah, it was like that. that. Yeah. But very rarely do they do a direct adaptation. But the, the difference being, though, is in the books... You know what the story is, but you've never seen it. Right. Whereas the comic books, you've already seen it, and you know what's going on. What else is there? And maybe this is why I like animation more than live action for superheroes. You could do so much more. We've talked about that enough times already, I think. But yeah, for animation, for superheroes, to me, that's the way to do it, honestly. And you can change people, the the actors. You can get a similar voice, and most people aren't really going to notice too much. And you can keep the storylines going. And the physical rep- representation of the characters looks more closely aligned with the comics because mm-hmm. it's animation as opposed to the live action character not being exactly the same. Yeah, in terms of like Marvel versus DC, I think I've come down to basically if it's DC, if it's animation, I'm interested. If it's live action, eh, not really. I've really gotten to the point where like so much of their both movies and TV shows live action have disappointed me. I'm kind of dialing it back on that. Very much looking forward to the next, the new season of Young Justice and some of the other animated animation projects from DC. Not all that excited about upcoming DC live action stuff. Definitely more casual on the Marvel side. There are some things I'm looking forward to more than others. I am looking forward to the Loki series. Not so much some of the other stuff like the Hawkeye series. Some of the upcoming movies I am looking forward to as well, but also not really all that excited about some of them either. Yeah. I, I think at this point, if I wasn't, a comic book fan, I'd have given up on DC by now. Yeah. And then there's one other area that I've been trying to ask you for a long time to try to figure out. Why Star Trek? <laughs> and Star Trek is such a, a difficult topic because it's an interesting thing because it's reinvented itself so many times. So it's not quite the same thing as comic books, but... The original Star Trek series in the 1960s was very much of its time and suffered from not being able to do science fiction in a way on television that looked good because of limited technology. And then it went from the TV shows to movies with slightly better technology, mm-hmm. but the same cast and the same type of stories. And then it came back to television, jumping ahead into the future for the next generation. And then we had a whole other cast and new characters that were continuing on the story. And then that launched its own spin-off shows. And then there were movies for the next generation. And then it got rebooted again when J.J. Abrams went back to the, the characters from the original 1960s version and remade them in movies. I liked those ones. And you liked those ones because those were the ones that were more action-oriented. Yeah, things happened. 
Right. Which is also why, like, diehard Star Trek nerds was like, I don't really like those movies. Some of them were better than others, but generally speaking, I didn't like them because they're not very Star Trek-y to me. But arguably, though, you didn't need to be a Star Trek fan to watch the J.J. Abrams stuff. I don't know if you would watch the other, just the movies. The series is just too many episodes. We've talked about that before on mm-hmm. the on the podcast, too, that it's just too much of a time commitment. But just to, like, give you, like, a Star Trek movie to watch that's not a J.J. Abrams one, I don't think you would like it. We should try that sometime. We should, because some of them are, are, are definitely better than others. But Star Trek movies, I think, were really largely for Star Trek fans. Yeah. I see it. Other than the J.J. Abrams stuff, which was made for mass audiences. Yeah. I, I have tried to watch some episodes, mm-hmm. and I want to like it. I think it's interesting, but kind of like procedurals, like we've talked about before, where nothing's... Ha- like, they're just talking throughout the whole thing. So that's something, like, I might just put on in the background while I'm doing dishes or cleaning the house or something like that. I'm not just going to sit there and watch it. I- I'm going to be doing two or three other things at the same time it's on. And then I'm going to miss half of what's going on that's actually interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. I just can't do it. Yeah, Star Trek has always had a a difficult history, too, because it was criticized for having too optimistic of a view of the future of humanity, even though it was set hundreds of years in the future, which is also why it's interesting to me. I haven't actually watched it because I don't have the CBS streaming service that would let me watch it. But the newer Star Trek television series are like, grittier and raw and violent and that was something that was very much not a part of most of the other star trek stuff so even some of the Mm. newer stuff that they've done even on television is different than what i remember star trek being but the other stuff in star trek is it's very difficult for people to are not fans of star trek i think to get into Mm. and it is something that if you're a fan you would probably watch it and again, the only reason I haven't watched the newer Star Trek stuff is just I don't want to pay for CBS's streaming service right. just to watch two Star Trek shows. Even though I, I've heard good things about both, and I am a, a big Star Trek fan, I'm not going to pick up another service just for that. Yeah. On the other hand of things, the Orville. I like the Orville. Yeah, I was kind of surprised or disappointed that that got, I guess it got canceled. I've been wondering where it went. I, I've been wondering, too, because every now and then it's like, are there, are there not any new episodes? Because I actually, and, and the Orville is sort of like, the first season was too jokey. Because I'm not a huge Seth MacFarlane guy. I get tired of him quickly. Mm-hmm. And the first season was too jokey. But the second season of the Orville actually tried to be too much like Star Trek. And okay. it got tried to be too serious and make the the show a bit more like Star Trek, even though both seasons actually did have lots of episodes of, yeah, they did that on Star Trek. It's his take on a Star Trek episode, Mm -hmm. who Seth MacFarlane himself actually did appear in front of a camera on Star Trek The Next Generation. So he does, he loves Star Trek. Yeah, that's why he made it. Right. Yeah. It's his his view of Star Trek, but I enjoyed it, but... I think it got canceled. I'm not sure because I haven't seen any new. That that might have been a victim victim of COVID too. That could be possibly. Yeah, it could have been it. But yeah. I, I was when I was watching, I was like, oh, it's like Star Trek, but entertaining. It definitely, yeah. Again, the entertainment component, the especially the jokes. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to get. I mean, there's humor, but not that right. kind of humor. But it also goes into why do you watch things? 
and I watch things to be entertained to get away from life. Whereas maybe part of what you were watching Star Trek for was the the parallel of the hope for life. Yeah, I was definitely not watching it purely for entertainment. Right. And, it, and some some aspects of a science fiction genre definitely get into that. That it, mm. There's definitely entertaining science fiction, but there's also a lot of stuff that's supposed to be more thought-provoking or yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And I can, and that's definitely not for, for everyone. And it's well established. I don't have thoughts. So it's, (laughs) I just look for entertainment. So are there any other franchises that you wanted to touch upon briefly? Um, I mean, there, there are like some things that I have seen some of, but I don't really care about. Like the fast and the furious is a really popular franchise. I just have no interest in it. I have seen several of the movies, but I've, I've never really understood the appeal. I, for a while, I started becoming a car guy. Okay. And the first Fast and the Furious was like, all right, that, that, that's okay. And then the second one came out, I'm like, ah, so the same thing, huh? All right. And the third one came out, I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've seen in my life, and I'm never watching another one of these. <laughs> So, yeah, that's me and Fast and the Furious. I have zero interest in it whatsoever. Like, there's a part of me that wants to just go go maybe watch a couple of the newer ones and see what the hype's about. But just seeing the advertisements for them, like, why would I spend my time? Why? <laughs> I could be watching superheroes punch each other in spandex. Why would I watch people <laughs> driving cars? And the only reason I brought that up because because it is designed to be entertainment. I mean, it's not... cerebral movies but it's just a level of entertainment that i've just never really found very engaging i don't understand why it's in yeah kind of like that i just don't understand why it's entertaining yeah on the other hand i mean you got other franchises too i guess like like james bond or mission impossible that they're formulaic they're not that they're kind of thought-provoking in the like oh how are they going to get through this but it's just action shot to action shot hey what's going on what's the mystery those are movies for me that I can enjoy them if I'm watching them, That, but I don't seek them out. Like, if they happen to be on, I'm cool with it. But I'm not going to go sit down and go, hey, I'm going to watch the... I, I, how many Mission Impossibles are there? Like seven six now? Six or seven? So, six or seven. And I think I've seen two or three. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of them, but some of them, they do blend together, though. Yeah. Part of it for me, though, maybe if it was a different actor, I don't like Tom Cruise. There, and he's one of those actors that can either attract or repel people. Yeah. Because there was a whole, there's a whole, like, almost like a whole subgenre of Tom Cruise is the best at everything movies where he's in a lot, where yeah. he's, he's the guy who's the best at whatever he's doing. I do enjoy some of the Mission Impossible movies, but they all kind of blend together for me. Mm-hmm. The other sort of spy-ish franchise that goes back even longer than that is James Bond. Yeah. Even though, I mean, Mission Impossible goes back to the same era, but it was a television show, but it got rebooted right. as movies, so it doesn't go back as far. During the COVID lockdown, I actually watched most of the James Bond catalog, and I was like, yeah, most of those movies are not very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the plots of them don't really make a great deal of sense. There is action, especially when you get closer to... The contemporary era, a lot of just ridiculous action sequences. 
Like Fast and the Furious. Yeah, it's it's somewhat similar to that of like, yeah. let's drive a truck out of the back of an airplane, and then as the truck is falling to the ground, let's have someone drive a motorcycle out of the back of a truck. And then before the motorcycle hits the ground, he jumps and grabs a hang glider. It's like, how can we make this even more ridiculous? Right. So it gets like over the top like that sometimes. And then even like the spy international thriller stuff has like some of the stupidest plots you could ever imagine. But a lot of it's just revol- revolved around the, whoever the current James Bond actor is. Doesn't he look cool? Doesn't yeah. he get all the chicks? <laughs> so it's like, it gets very formulaic. But some of them are actually halfway decent movies. Well, I think they run into issues too of they just don't hold up over time. Oh, yes. The the older James Bond movies are, oof, yeah. Just like a lot of older movies. Right. Definitely do not hold up well. Yeah. I don't know. Those are, but those are, I just never really got into those. I was always more into, I mean, I guess they are action, but just like straight action, like Lethal Weapon or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've liked those. I, I, I've always been into comedies. Sometimes I'll like something that makes me think, but there's got to be a lot going on mm-hmm. to keep my attention for that to happen. I don't know. There's not a lot of genres that, generally speaking, hold my attention anything more than, than comedies, really. Yeah, and we, we've talked a little bit about genres slash franchises before on the podcast. Like, there was a, an era, I mean, it's still happening now because of things like The Fast and the Furious, but there was a lot a while there where Hollywood was kind of a franchise engine. And we've, mm-hmm. co- we've covered Indiana Jones and Back to the Future on the podcast before. And there are other things like the Rocky and the Rambo movies were franchises. Mm-hmm. The Matrix trilogy now there's going to be more than a trilogy. So there was for a while there that there were a lot of things, and even even like John Wick and stuff like that. So there are some things that Hollywood kind of just turns into a franchise by just keep keep making sequels. Right. <laughs> keep making them until they stop making money. Exactly. But I don't think there's not too many of the ones that I just mentioned that I was like, oh, I have to go see that. Right. Well, but I, I would say for fandom, though, you're much more likely to watch something if it's a science fiction movie. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's kind of like there's, I know neither of us really get into it, but there's a huge fandom for horror. Yeah, I've never been able to get into that genre. And again, like we've said before on the podcast, it's not because I don't like gore or I find any of it scary. I just don't find it entertaining. Yeah, I don't. I just don't find it interesting. Yeah, it's just it's not like a lot of them that are supposed to be genuinely scary, I don't find scary. Right. Some of them, again, similar with what we had said before when we did uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, the slasher subgenre of horror usually adds like a comedic element. Mm-hmm. And that is what I'm really watching for. It's the comedy. Right. Not the horror Same. slash slasher slash gore type of thing. Similar to, a, I guess, to a lesser extent, like zombie movies and zombie stuff, too. There's, yeah. a, there's a gore and an action component, but sometimes, like with like Zombieland and stuff like that. There's a comedic component that draws me in much more so than the the right. horror type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Same. And, and you get into like the demonic possession ones that are supposed to be really scary. And I'm just looking at them like it's no different than like a Looney Tunes cartoon to me. And like none of this is at all realistic or and maybe that's the problem with it. Maybe I'm not in the right mind frame of, oh, this could happen to me. And maybe that's <laughs> why it's scary or something. But I just look at them like, oh, it's just absolute fabrication and nothing interesting is going on. Well, I also blame it in part on the fact that when I was a kid, because I grew up in the 70s, 
that I remember a lot of old black and white horror movies where the effects were just so bad. Oh, yeah. Like when someone someone just got his arm cut off with a machete, and it's like you can tell that the guy has his arm stuffed into a suit, <laughs> and a fake arm was wagging off of the side of the suit, and that's what they cut off, and fake blood is sprung. It's like right. it's just it it was it just made me laugh. It's like it didn't make me oh no the guy got his arm cut off. It's like that looks so stupid. So those horror movies, it's like I couldn't get scared by them. Right. I couldn't get into, it was like, oh, what would happen if someone actually, no, it just, it just looks so dumb. Kind of like the claymation in Clash of the Titans. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was just stuff like that that yeah. really hurt my ability to, to get into that stuff. For whatever reason, I, I did watch a movie called uh, A Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. which is a Josh Whedon movie. I actually enjoyed it. I actually watched it, I think, like on a, a Halloween weekend just because it was being advertised. It's like, eh, I've heard lots of good things. I'll watch it. I found it entertaining. A lot of stuff, though, as I was watching, is like, stuff's going over my head. It's like, there are some things that they're making references to. I don't know what they're talking about, but it's not really pulling me out of it. I've had horror fans tell me that that is an amazing movie. And then if you were really into the horror genre, you would think that that movie was incredible because of all of the references that they make to movies and all of the tropes that they play off of and all mm-hmm. of those sort of like inside jokes and stuff like that, that if you're into horror, you would really love that movie. Yeah. I just thought I it was know. a funny, I just thought it was an enjoyable movie. Yeah. I would recommend it, but not because of horror. Gotcha. It, it's entertaining. Yeah. I've heard really good things about it. I just, again, I'm not being a horror fan. Mm-hmm. I just never really got around to it. Like Ash versus evil dead comedy. It's comedy. Right. So I liked it. Yes. And then there's, I'm never going to forget the reaction to it. When Blair Witch Project came out and it was huge and everybody was talking about how scary it was and realistic and all that stuff. And I remember some friends and I, we were, I don't know what, 16, 17, something like that. We rented it. We're watching it at my house and not 15 minutes into it. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've seen in my life. And they're all genuinely scared, and I just started mocking it relentlessly. Like, I jumped behind the couch, and I'm, like, peeking up behind, like, oh, my God, is it over? Are they going to survive? Just mocking. And they got so mad at me, and I feel bad for ruining it for them, but Brandon was one of them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, those movies, the whole time, I guess that's something else that I enjoy about watching movies is trying to think of how they made it. Mm-hmm. In the horror movies, I'm looking at it going, it's so easy to make. And there's nothing, there's almost no thought into it until you get into like some of the slashers and stuff where they actually get into like, oh, wow, how'd they do that makeup? How'd they, how'd they get the animatronics to work to make their face actually move like that of the monster? That stuff's cool. But as far as like, oh, no, I'm possessed. Why am I hitting myself? <laughs> That's just stupid. Yeah, I just I have not been able to get into any of that stuff either. But there, I I do feel like I should point out though that you said that a lot of it was the effects that weren't didn't really hold up. Yet you were fine with Doctor Who. Oh yeah, like I said, there have been Doctor Who and other things in science fiction. Like I was, I'm a neo Whovian, so I I started watching when they brought Doctor Who back after oh, a okay. long. So I I. I had seen some of the old stuff from like the 60s and 70s. And yeah, the effects back then, it, it's, it's, I can't really watch like classic Who in part because of how really bad the effects okay. are. Uh, 
So it's not a double standard. It's not a double standard. It's, it's the same thing with like the uh, Star Trek, the original series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I watched it in the 70s when it was in reruns because it was a show in the 60s. And yeah, oh, some of that <laughs> stuff was pretty bad. Even like the, even the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, which came out in 1989, whew, there were some really bad effects in mm-hmm. that as well. So that was the other thing that sometimes would, would work against even science fiction. But I was more interested in the, the science fiction stuff, but not less, not yeah. so much so the horror stuff didn't really appeal to me. I don't mean to pull it back there, but I guess that's one thing about Star Wars that, you know, everybody's been given George Lucas crap for updating the original trilogy every time it's released mm-hmm. in some ways. Like, but, I mean, at least he's upgra- updating some of the graphics so that they do hold up a little bit better. Yes. I mean, there's... There's bad, but there's some good to it. I would agree. And and some of the like science fiction stuff that I've watched recently that has disappointed me, like there's a new series called Debris on NBC, which just it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. It just finished its thirteen episode first season and I don't care if it comes back because <laughs> it's one of those shows where like I'm watching and, and I, my fandom is why I watched it. I mm-hmm. like science fiction. I will pretty much, if it's science fiction, I'll give almost anything in the science fiction genre a try. But it's one of those shows I was watching. It's like, is this show actually good? It's one of those shows that like really amps up like the background instrumental music to really set the mood. But it's just like, if you took the soundtrack out and you actually paid attention to what was happening and what was being said, it's pretty fucking stupid. And the actors are just chewing the scenery mercilessly. And it just gets to a point of, it just kept getting worse and worse. It's like, oh, you're trying to be like the X-Files or like Fringe, and mm-hmm. you're not even like the good parts of those shows. Uh, so I was really getting frustrated, and it's like, yeah, I'm done, done with that. Gotcha. I think sci-fi suffers from, the main issue is there's just not, or hasn't been, quite enough fandom for them to want to invest the money into it. But now I think we're finally getting to a point where enough nerds run the world. <laughs> now we're going to start seeing some better science fiction. Yeah, in this case, it wasn't like that stuff, like the that type of terms of visual effects and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was just that the writing and the acting was terrible. Well, we, we're running into that. We're starting to get there with superhero stuff, too, where, you know, we talk about superhero fatigue. They're just throwing everything at the at the board right now, trying to get anything made, trying to make some money. And there's some... There's some bad superhero stuff. There's definitely some bad superhero stuff. Before we jump to superheroes, just one last point on science fiction. I, just, I have to mention Tenet as a movie. Oh. oh, I love science fiction, so I'll give it a try. Tenet, for me, was just a terrible movie. And I, I love timey-wimey stuff because I'm a Doctor Who fan, as among, among other things. But Tenet was just completely unenjoyable to me. It was such a frustrating movie to watch. Even after you got the gimmick of what the, what they were doing in the movie, Mm -hmm. it was still, it was actually visual. It was not only conceptually, but also visually confusing. It's a difficult movie to watch. And it is like, I really ended up not liking it. Yeah. See, I wasn't really a fan of inception. And it seemed like the people that I was seeing that really liked Tenet also really liked Inception. And between the previews and everything else, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to waste my time. I would not recommend it. I liked Inception. I did not like uh, Tenet. Yeah. 
But I'm sorry, I took you away from going back to oh, superheroes. I was, just, I was just saying the one thing about it. Okay, yeah. There has been a lot more... There's been like sort of like... I want to put like The Boys, Invincible, the television series version of Watchmen, and then the latest, most recent thing I've watched, I think that we both watched, is Jupiter's Legacy. Mm-hmm. Falls into a category of, like you were saying, you're kind of throwing, especially with Jupiter's Legacy, kind of throwing everything at you yeah. in one one show. But also there's this thing, too, with the, let's show like a, a darker, grittier kind of superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, are the heroes really heroes? Who's really the villain? What would they be like in the real world versus the ideal world? Yeah. Yeah. How wouldn't people really get fucked up by people who get superpowers? Wouldn't people getting being ripped apart and be bloody and gory and all that stuff? And that's sort of become like a, I don't know, subgenre of superheroes. So like with things like the boys, I, I, I still have an open question is like, I don't know if it's good or is this because it's different? We think it's good. Yeah, I can't really answer that. Like I enjoy it. And that's all I can really say. But we get two or three more shows that are basically exactly the same thing. I'm going to enjoy it less. And, and they're really what it is. They're just trying to pull it from the independent comic books, mm-hmm. you know, because Marvel's already got their thing. DC's got their thing. So everybody else is going, how do we capitalize and make some money off this? We're going to have to pull from independents. And unfortunately, as we're seeing, there's quite a few independents that are very similar. But we are going to be getting things like Sandman that are very different. And I'm I'm excited for that. I'm a Neil Gaiman fan, so I'm excited to see that as well. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think the, the superhero fatigue thing is real. Mm-hmm. And it is starting to bleed over into stuff. Like, I think someone online had actually said it's like, when most people brought up superhero fatigue, I would uh, shrug it off. Then I watched Jupiter's Legacy, and now I agree we have superhero fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to turn this into that, but I watched that and I'm, it gets over and I just sat there for a second going, I don't know if I like that or not. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. But it, it comes back to fandom again. It's like, if you watch it because it's superheroes. Exactly. It's like, and that's the, and that's the reason why I watched it too. It's the same reason why I watched Invincible, which I liked more, mm-hmm. but it's the same type of thing. It's like, I wouldn't, I, I like animation and I like superheroes. If I didn't have that fandom, I wouldn't watch those shows. Same thing with the boys. If I wasn't in the superheroes, I don't think I would watch the boys. Right. Kind of similar to that, though. There's a whole genre, a whole thing that universally is terrible. And that's video game movies. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the movies that... And I think that this is part of what happened. So we're talking about Mortal Kombat! Dun, 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 dun. Sorry. (laughs) When that came out, a lot of people, it got a lot of initial negative feedback. And I think one of the things that made me think of is like, first off, if you're not a fan of the Mortal Kombat franchise, meaning you didn't play the video games, Mm -hmm. why would you go see that movie? You're talking about the new one that just came out? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, two sides to that. Okay. Why would you watch that movie if you weren't a fan of of the video game? Mm-hmm. And then if you are a fan of the video game and you go to watch it, you're pissed off because it didn't really do anything with the video game. <laughs> like, there's some references and stuff that are kind of cool that are there. Mm-hmm. The main character isn't even in the fucking game. It's not set up. At, like, they start to kind of mention, like, oh, we'll get to the game thing, but that's going to be later. Now we're just going to do random shit. 
Sorry, I, I'm I'm going to stop there because I am a fan of the video game. I, I, that's why I put it down as an example. It does cover, I think, lots of different aspects about fandom because there were some people, and then part of it was because of the pandemic, it was one of the first movies that people went to see when theaters mm-hmm. were a thing again. So I think more people went to see it than would have otherwise gone to see it just because yeah. there's a movie. And a lot of those people are like, oh, that was so terrible. But I was like, well, if you knew the video game or played the video games, and it's actually one of the few actual video games that I think I've played almost every version of. It's like, it's one of the very few video games I actually played. I think there's a lot more versions of it than you think there are. There definitely are. <laughs> but I mean, going back to even like, I mean, this was around long before, like, I forget what, it wasn't even on PlayStation. It was like before then. Like, I played it, like, it in its earlier forms. It started in the arcade. It was also, yeah, yeah. for the longest time, it was an arcade game. And then it eventually came, went on to video game platforms. So yeah, I Super Nintendo and Sega, I believe, were the first. Yeah, so I remember playing them there. I also did play versions of them when they eventually did hit things like PlayStations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you... So I, I'm a fan of the movie. I've seen all of the movies. I wouldn't say any of them are good, but because I was a fan of the video games and I played the video games as a kid, I went, you're going to see Mortal Kombat. You know, at some point, someone's going to say, flawless victory. Finish him. Exactly. Or, you know, even though, in the most recent one, even though Scorpion speaks Japanese at all other times, you know, at one point, he's going to have to say, Get over here. Oh, you want to do it. Go ahead. No, that's all right. You're doing it. <laughs> Even though it makes no sense if you watch the movie that right. he never speaks English. <laughs> and on the contrary, when somebody's speaking other languages to him, he just looks at him confused. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you know that something like that is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, or you're going to. So, you know, and those are obviously references to the video games. Mm-hmm. So, like, so people are like, oh, well, what were you expecting to see? But to your point, though, too, people who actually were big fans of Mortal Kombat were like what you were saying earlier. Why didn't? What? Huh? Why? Uh? Yeah. yeah. So it exactly. was like something that like disappointed both sides of the fandom. Yeah. People who are not fans and people who are. But it looked cool. <laughs> I I mean, that's the, the fight scenes were all right. And it's kind of like the other uh, Mortal Kombat movies. There were cool fight scenes. There, there were some cool scenes. But overall, the movies are terrible. Assassin's Creed movie. That is possibly my favorite video game franchise to play. I was so excited for that movie, and I watched it, and I'm like, oh, that barely even touched on anything that had to do with the video games. Now, for me, I've never played the video game. I watched the movie. I thought it was okay. I mean, that, but that's all it is, is okay. It, it, if they would have done what the video game did, did it could have been great. But that was also one of those things. I think I watched it because I was bored. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of it because I don't play video games. So it's like, eh, I'll watch it. That's the issue. Video games are so long and complex and have great storylines. It's hard to shorten that into a movie. I think, again, it goes into what we are saying before, TV shows versus movies. I think they'd have to go to TV shows to be long enough. I know they're working on an adaptation of Metal Gear. That's going to be tough to do in a movie. Maybe like one mission out of <laughs> all of the, I don't know how many there are, 10 games. We should do an episode. On video games? Brandon and I should be doing an episode <laughs> on Metal Gear. Because that's actually one of the Metal Gear Solid series that's been around for most of our friendship. Like every single one of those games we played together. 
Now, is that something that if you're not a fan of, of that particular video game or video games in general, people wouldn't watch it? No, that one's that's the thing about it is it would be great because it's like a military espionage game, like Tom Clancy type stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like uh, Born Identity or something like that. It could go along that route and be really good. And it's the whole series has wrapped around basically like it takes actual historical events and then wraps a little bit of fiction in with it. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. It could be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, I think that's why some people want to see Mortal Kombat. Was just like, well, it should just be like an action martial arts yeah. movie. So maybe I'll like it. And it was not quite what they were expecting. Well, it's kind of like you get into Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah, and, and of the movies in sort of the monster movie thing, like previous movies like you know, Kong, Skull Island, and the mm-hmm. previous Godzilla movies, it wasn't as good. But generally speaking, it's monster movies. Right. What are you expecting? Are you expecting an Academy Award winning screenplay? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to see a nice, independent, thought-provoking film. Let's go watch Godzilla. <laughs> no, you you want to watch giant fucking monsters beat the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what we're going to get. And that's actually, that movie was kind of disappointing because it went, a lot of these movies, they, they focus so much on the human things. Like they're trying to develop a storyline. Like, dude, I just want to watch a giant ape punch a giant lizard. Right. Just give me that, man. And that's the first of the recent Godzilla series. I loved it. And that was, I always kind of tell the story, like the person sitting next to me wasn't really a Godzilla fan. And remember there's one part, it waited till the end. Then like the fins at the tail started glowing. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. And I start tapping the person next to me and they're like, what? And the glowing starts, the fins start going up towards the head. I'm like, oh, yes, 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 yes. And they're like, what? And then all of a sudden you just blast that atomic breath and they're like, oh, Yes. Because I was a Godzilla fan, I knew it was going to be happening. Because mm-hmm. I love giant monsters fighting. I don't need Eleven hanging out doing different things. <laughs> Eleven from Stranger Things is who he's referring to. Yes. <laughs> but yes, the the human the attempts of, of of weaving a human story around it. Kong Skull Island had a little bit more of an at least understandable human story woven around it but it's still come down to you you're watching the movie to see monsters fight have you ever watched the the youtube series pitch meeting occasionally yes i love that they, they did one for Kong Skull island and it was fantastic like so we're going to start the movie with there's a, an american pilot and a japanese kamikaze pilot and they go both tra- crash on this island and they're starting to fight and they realize all these giant monsters and stuff around they're gonna have to work together to survive and the other guy's like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. You know, is that what the movie's going to be like? Oh, no, we're just going to introduce the movie that way. And then we're just going to scrap that and never come back to it again. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like you started watching a second movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, overall, I actually did like it, but it was, yeah, it was weird the way some of that stuff was cut together. But they focused more on the giant monsters fighting. They did. They could have had six or seven fewer helicopters. Yeah, that could be. That's the other part. Like, and we're going to have him smash a helicopter. And then we're going to have him smash a helicopter. And then we're going to have him smash... Please stop doing this. (laughs) Maybe stop flying towards him. Right. (laughs) But again, 
you can be a fan of that. It's like you don't you don't need to be say it's not like Star Wars or superheroes and stuff like that. You're you're there to be a fan of something to entertain you. It's monsters fighting. Right. It's like how I mean, if you don't like that, you went into that movie with the wrong expectation. Right. So fandom in that case, it's a, a different level of fandom, but it's like you only can be disappointed if you didn't know what you were gonna get. Right. You you know what you're gonna get for that. There's gotta be some sort of draw. You know, mm-hmm. the humans, you're not going to be able to be like, oh, you should come watch Godzilla because the humans in it are kind of cool. Like, no, giant monsters fighting. Kind of like Game of Thrones. Like, oh, we, you should come watch the show. Why? Like, oh, we got dragons and boobies. All right, let's go watch that show. I mm-hmm. like both dragons and boobies. <laughs> yeah. In that case, you have people who were like, oh, I didn't read. I didn't read the books. Uh, and then right. you have people who read the books and wanted to see it, you know, made into a story. But it's also for the general audience, as we said, I would say tits and dragons. Yeah. What's Game of Thrones about? Yeah. And I know that when that when it came out and it started getting popular, uh, people started talking like, oh, there's this, this book series that got adapted into this really cool show. I'm like, what's a book? I don't, <laughs> why would I care? And they're like, it's got boobies and dragons. I'm like, oh, I, uh, yeah, OK, I'll check that out. <laughs> Loved it. It was a great show. But again, why else would I have watched it? I didn't know the books. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess that's another fandom that's, oh man, it's vicious. Because parts of the series that were directly adapted from the books, everybody says it's fantastic. But then when they ran out of source material, it started to suck. I didn't know the source material. So I didn't really notice a whole lot of a difference. I noticed it mostly in the final two seasons. But yeah, the first four seasons of Game of Thrones were largely driven by source material, and then they started to drift away from that. But the last two seasons, especially for a variety of other reasons, showed a, a both a drop-off in quality and probably a drop-off in the showrunner's interest in continuing to do the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in that case, once they got past the, the books, because they also had somewhat reasonable expectations that there would be more books that they might be able to draw on. Who knows? Whereas you have something like the walking dead was a full comic book series done before they did did the show. I don't think so. Okay. I, I think it was, they stayed ahead of it. They kept going, but towards the beginning of the series, they really closely adapted it. And then as it went on, they stayed fairly close, but they kind of stepped away from it a little bit more because they started introducing characters that weren't in the books. Like, actually, Daryl was never in the books. Oh, okay. And, but, I don't know. They, they did a good job of adapting that in a way that if they had directly adapted the books, it probably wouldn't work live action. So they had to do something. And obviously, they did some stuff right because that's one of the biggest franchises ever. True. Although I... St- Still don't quite understand why the spinoff is essentially the same show. I me too. <laughs> if if I ever come across somebody that's seen it, I'll ask them. <laughs> but then again, it's the same type of thing. It's like if you don't like The Walking Dead, why would you watch Fear of the Walking Dead? Right. But, so, but I don't think you have to <laughs> to say because I watched The Walking Dead, I have to watch the spinoff too. I don't think that that's necessarily required well me being a completionist and i only watched like three episodes of fear the walking dead Mm -hmm. i think that tells you everything you need to know and then there is sort of like i guess the offbeat fandoms or things that are are kind of designed from the outset to maybe not be for everyone and they create uh, a different level 
of fandom. Like, so things like to stick to animation first, like things like The Simpsons, Family Guy, and South Park. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, you have the, it's animation, which is not for everybody, but it's not cartoons. Every time I try to say it's adult-oriented, it makes me it makes it sound <laughs> like I'm trying to describe porn. Heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> so those are shows that, I mean, Simpsons is probably more mainstream than the other two. That's one I wasn't actually allowed to watch Simpsons when I was a kid because it was quote unquote too crude. <laughs> and then Beavis and Bud came out and I'm like, are you sure I can't watch Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> Family Guy came out. South Park took it to a whole new level. And I don't know. It just kind of started a trend. And then there's that whole adult swim trend of animated th- things that were for adults. I think it just kind of goes into there's some people that just can't get past the fact that it's animated. Yes. And then the comedy styles, you either get it or you don't. Yes. And if you get it, it's genius. If you don't, it's terrible. Like Cannibal the Musical. Oh. <laughs> you knew I was going to bring that up eventually. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> again, to me, I mean, same, same as South Park. To me, it's genius because it speaks to me. But I totally understand why it's terrible to everybody else. And apparently it's terrible to a lot of people because almost nobody listened to that episode. Yes, I think it's one of our least listened to episodes, which I completely agree with. I don't. Everybody <laughs> should listen to it. <laughs> but yeah, there there are those things that are only going to draw a certain fandom to them. And it, it's, it's a very much, if, you're, if you watch it, you love it. It's mm-hmm. not something you're going to watch too much casually, maybe. Yeah, and there's there's live action ones that are kind of like that too. Like, I know there's a quirkiness to the new girl that a lot of people love, mm-hmm. but then most people don't. Uh, but then you've got the just the weird shit, like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, the League, I think, is up there. I never really watched the League, but from what I gather of it, you either like it or you don't. Yeah, I mean, the League is if you really like fantasy sports. Because mm-hmm. that's basically what the league in the league is. But yeah, it gets weird, but it's very much if you like fantasy sports, which I play fantasy sports, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all it's all a sunny in Philadelphia is definitely a a, a a weird crude quirkiness that is not going to apply to everything. The funny thing about New Girl, I would agree, is a little bit more mainstream, but it is quirky. And for some reason, this popped into my head. Maybe it's because it was a meme that I saw on Twitter. One of the things that happens on Twitter with comic books, when girls say things like you were saying earlier that they literally like Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. you know, the male nerds are like, name all of the Harley Quinn comic books, everything that's ever been done about the character. And it is like, I just like Harley Quinn. Right. And New Girl, there's a scene where like a guy goes, you know, uh, I'm an expert in French history. And New Girl goes, name 15 kings. And he goes, Louis. And he's... <laughs> And she's like, damn it. (laughs) Sorry, I don't think you expected me to react that way. But she was like, I really, she's like, I really set the bar too low. (laughs) But they were making fun of that same thing. It's like, oh, I love this thing. Or I know a lot about this thing. It's like, prove it. (laughs) And I think that one, though. New Girl in particular, the quirkiness comes from the actress's quirky. 
Yes. A- any other actress there, A, it probably wouldn't have gone over as well as it did. Or B, it would have just been so mainstream, it would have just blended in with everything else. Agreed. But she adds a level of quirkiness that makes it interesting. That's uh, what, Zoe Dachanel? Yeah. Yeah, she is definitely a unique actress in terms of she, most of her roles are usually around mm-hmm. a quirky type character. And in a different genre, an actress that, that defined the role and made it amazing is, that, is Marvelous Miss Maisel. I could not recommend a comedy show more than that one. Especially if you like stand-up comedy. And that maybe that's why I loved it so much, because I do like stand-up so much. But, man, that show's fantastic. Yes, incredibly funny show. It deals with issues, like actually deals with issues. It brings up a part of that time that nobody really talks about too much, like what it would actually be like living in that time. And it's hilarious. The show's got everything. And also, part again, to the stand-up comedy thing, is like, you know, what's funny? What type of jokes can you do? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a, a female comedian or a male comedian, how blue can you go in terms of what topics can you talk about mm-hmm. or not talk about? But it's also funny, too. Right. So it, it, it's, it works on all levels. But I could definitely see that if you're not a fan of stand-up comedy, you might not get into that show. Right. Another show that just popped into mind, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen Arrested Development. I have not. It is a weird show. I, I do like it. Uh, and I like a lot of the actors who are in it. But it's another one of those shows, like, if you get it, it's funny. But it's it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also, it's it's a de- setup of a fandom of, they know. There, there's things that were, there things that are set up to try to attract as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And there are other things that's like, we're going we're gonna to aim in a niche and we're going to see if we can do that really, really well. And some shows like that, like Arrested Development, would fall into that category. So uh, I guess for fandom, I mean, there's groups like people that liked Simpsons, probably also liked Family Guy, probably also liked South Park. People that liked Always Sunny, probably also like Arrested Development, I'm guessing. I would guess that. Um, there's probably groups like, I- I've never seen them, but I kind of put them together, like Mad Men and... Suits, maybe, maybe put Breaking Bad in there too. Probably have similar fans. Yeah, the, there are shows like that that sometimes it they. There shows that like I think you're like supposed to like. Like I was, I watched Breaking Bad. It was good, but I didn't understand why people thought it was that good. Same mm-hmm. thing with Mad Men. It was good, but I didn't think it was that good. Right. So there are some shows that almost have like a snobbery to them. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to like them because this is such a great show because you're supposed to get why it's such a great show. Well, again, I think it has to do with fandom. Though. Certain types of people are going to like those. And those types of people also happen to be critics. Yes, I would agree with that. And so that's why we're supposed to like them because the critics say we're supposed to like them. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess for me, that's actually a reason why I didn't watch them. Is because I looked at them. I, I kind of looked at what it was and who was talking about how good it was. And like, I'm probably not going to like it. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't bother. It's like another show called The Americans, which I really liked. I mean, to describe it, I mean, it's set in the 1980s. It stars Soviet spies pretending to be an American family. Mm-hmm. So it's basically very much about, and it's set right before the fall of the Soviet Union. So it's political. 
It's cultural. It's a period piece. It's spyish. It's not for everybody. It's it's a slow burn. So some people might find it frustrating. It co-stars Kerry Russell, who I like anyway. To the Game of Thrones reference, if you want to see her naked ass a lot, her butts in the in, in the Americans a lot, as is Matthew Reese, the actor who plays the male lead as well, too. But it's a very well done show because one of the things that they do frequently in the show is they're spies who use sex as part of their espionage. So they do whipping people. I'm trying to think uh, seducing. I couldn't think of the word ah, seduce. seduce. Yeah, I don't know what the the uh, my my arm motions were were making it look like I was doing a bullwhip or something. I was just trying. There's a word. It's like all right. I, I can't think of what the word is. BDSM. <laughs> I was not really helping Mike with, with, <laughs> with helping me get to the word. I was just, just a lot of like using seduction as part of I've, the spy I've never rap. used a lasso for seduction, but hey, to each their own. <laughs> so that's why there's a lot of like sexual situations in it. Mm-hmm. Not because it's gratuitous, because it's kind of part of the show. But it is definitely not for everybody. It's, it's like I said, it's slow. It's political. And it's, again, people who watch it, who like it, really like it. I do but it's not something that a lot of people have seen or would probably enjoy. It's, it's been on my list of trying to watch for quite a while. I just keep putting it on the back of the list because of the slow burn side of things that I'm not sure if I'll be able to get into it. I mean, it does some good stuff, but, but yeah, it, it's a show you got to be patient with. But I kind of also rank it up there where I'm, I'm probably kind of like Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. It got really popular and it probably shouldn't have, but then it tackled some pretty pretty interesting things. So I actually ended up liking that show more than I thought I would. I stopped watching. I got tired of it. It got fairly repetitive. But, I mean, the last season, though, I mean, they, they brought up some really good social points in that. Somewhat political, but mostly social points in that. I could see that. Well, since I brought up Carrie Russell, are there some things where, because this doesn't happen very often for me. But are there like actors that would that you're a fan of that would draw you to particular things? Okay, um, I'll give you an easy one. Kristen Bell. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, there's the only reason I watched Veronica Mars was to see what she did with it. Agreed. I would say I would argue that neither one of us were in the target demographic for Veronica Mars. Right. I also watched it after it was off the air. I mean, before they made the, the they made another season of the show. Mm-hmm. But I went back and watched it. Long after it was already, not long, but after it was already over mm-hmm. because I wasn't in the target demographic of the show. Right. But I like Kristen Bell, not only because she's attractive, but because she's a very talented actress. Right. So I was like, she would make that show interesting to me where if it was any other actress, probably wouldn't even have bothered. She's one, I mean, she's so gorgeous. She catches my eye all the time. But then I, for a long time, I didn't realize it was the same person. Because she's so good at acting. Oh, gotcha. I could see that. Yeah. Yes. So like my initial, it was actually Heroes was mm-hmm. the first time I saw her. Oh. And I, I absolutely f- fell in love with how she looked and everything. And she did a good job. But I, I'm always of the opinion, I can't judge acting based on one thing. Because I don't know if they're actually acting or if they're just being themselves. So then after that, I just kind of half forgot about her because a lot of the stuff that she does again I'm not the target demographic so I don't get to see it and then later I would see something else I'm like oh wow she's she's awesome 
And then I go back and look her up, and I'm like, oh, that's her. It's the same one. I think uh, Fanboys. She was in that movie. And then just kind of kept happening. And then she did the voice in uh, Frozen. The voice and the singing. Yeah, and the singing. Like, holy crap, she's that talented. And then Veronica Mars. I'm like, wow, she did such a good job of, like, playing characters within character. And then The Good Place. Yes. One of my favorite shows of all time. Right. So I I just keep kind of coming back. I'm like, if she's in something, I know she's going to be good. It's just a matter of everything else is good. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I might not ultimately end up liking the show but it, or movie. If she's in it, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. I know for a while I was like that with Mila Jovovich, but that was purely just because she was attractive. <laughs> now, not to pick on her, but just because she also happens to have the same first name, I have the opposite opinion about Kristen Wiig. Agreed. It's not that she's not talented. It's just that when I see Kristen Wiig, no matter what she's doing, what TV show, movie, whatever. Hey, look, there's Kristen, Kristen Wiig being Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. I see absolutely no difference in her performance, regardless of what it is or what the character is, what the genre is. It's just Kristen Wiig. There's a whole list of actors and a lot. Unfortunately, a lot of them are comedic actors that they're just one note. You've watched them in one thing. You've seen everything they've ever done. And I get it. I get why people like them. Uh, I'll just throw out the names there. Melissa McCarthy, Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn is one of them. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them. That I'm just, I thought they were funny once. And then the next time I saw them, like, that was exactly the same. I'm bored of it already. And then they keep going and people keep talking about how great they are. I'm like, have you seen anything else besides the one thing? Because I'm done. And uh, to the point now, I won't watch something if they're in it. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy's like that for me. I mean, I have enjoyed some things she's done, mm-hmm. like the Happy Time Murders. I was and... just going to say that, <laughs> but it had nothing to do with her. She exactly. Had, she was the worst part of that movie. She, I would agree. But I mean, it was it was enjoyable enough to watch once. She was in that. Her movie Spy was actually not horrible. It was actually a pretty funny spy movie called Spy. But the vast majority of the time, I just won't watch her stuff. Like, I... I think Thunder Force is the newer thing that she's in on Netflix. I won't watch it. And that's a superhero thing. And that's isn't a superhero it? thing, and I won't watch it. I won't either. And that's because holy of Melissa crap. McCarthy. Right, exactly. I have zero interest in watching her anymore. Right. And that's why it's like, I felt bad as like the female Ghostbusters movie. I was just going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely no problem with it, there being a female Ghostbusters movie. Right. Didn't bother me at all. What bothered me, unfortunately, was that Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig were in it. Right. It's like, oh. Actually, all four of them, they don't act. They just do their thing. Yeah. In everything. And unfortunately, that just ruined that movie. Where, then again, you could probably kind of say that about the original Ghostbusters, too. Oh, yeah. But they, but they weren't as readily seen as those four. Yes. And, and it might be just product of its time. But maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I didn't dislike it the female ghostbusters movie but it was just like eh, yeah I, w- I wish other people could have been in it yeah especially the roles that melissa mccarthy and Kristen Wiig right. played. i actually do like kate mckinnon i just don't really think that she was given the right role yeah and i agreed yeah so it's like but yeah that that's what really hurt that movie for me i think kate mckinnon has a lot more potential than she's allowed to use i would agree with that and then you got other people too that like you didn't think they were going to have potential and then they ended up being awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to put Keanu Reeves in there. 
It, yeah. when, when his career started, he was just the dumb surfer guy. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, holy crap, he's got depth and ability and he's fantastic. And now he's one of the most adored actors we have. I think Brad Pitt's probably on that on that list too, where people probably thought he was just going to be the good-looking dumb guy and he ended up being amazing. I would agree with both of that. I would, to go back to the sort of you get the same thing every time thing, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird, but that's basically Tom Hanks. Yeah. But for some reason it works. His line delivery is just so good it works. Right. But there's not really that all that much difference. He's not I wouldn't really say that he has much range as an actor. Mm-hmm. And there's not really a lot of difference in it, but like I said, somehow it's it, the performance is good enough. He's a good performer and mm-hmm. he's incredibly popular although it's pretty much you know what you're going to get. He's just so likable. Yeah, he has a very likable personality and maybe that's it as yeah. well. Which I I mean would kind of go into like Tom Cruise too where He's basically the same in everything he's in. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, buddy, I don't really care that you did your own stunt and you broke your ankle 14 times trying to jump on that building. Just let the professional do it and get on with the movie. And all right, Maverick, I got it. <laughs> We're good. I saw that in the 80s. We can we can stop now. <laughs> yeah, he was for the longest time and maybe to a certain extent now. He was the star of the Tom Cruise is great at everything movies. Yeah, he played in movies where he was the the best at something, the best fighter pilots, you know, the best lawyer, the best whatever. And again, I I do like many of his movies. Be careful, he might not be able to handle the truth. <laughs> there aren't too many actors that are not like well known that would trigger me to watch something. But one of the things that popped into my mind when I thought about was there ever something that was a fandom of an actor that made me watch something and what popped into my mind was Emily Hampshire Mm -hmm. who most people probably don't know who she is Emily Hampshire if you watch the show you ever watch Schitt's Creek no I did not okay so most people probably know Emily Hampshire as Stevie on Schitt's Creek I knew Emily Hampshire as Jennifer Goins on 12 Monkeys a television series that they made based on the movie 12 monkeys she was a scene stealing delight in 12 monkeys she was just hilarious she was often used as the comedic relief in that series but she was just so phenomenally talented not just in terms of acting but also singing and other stuff that she did so after i like finished like my second rewatch of 12 monkeys because i've seen it multiple times i was like I should see if she's in anything else because I've never seen her in anything else. Mm-hmm. And I looked up, it's like, oh, she's in Shit's Creek. And I heard a lot about Shit's Creek. And I think I even tried watching it once and couldn't even get through the first episode, just gave up on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's in it. I-, I have to watch it now. So I ended up watching Shit's Creek. And I actually ended up loving Shit's Creek. But I watched that because I wanted to see Emily Hampshire in something else because I was a fan of hers. Kind of similar to that, actually, Katie Sackhoff for me. Okay. I had seen, like, some videos she was on on YouTube, and I've just heard her name so many times from the nerd community, and then she was the voice in Clone Wars, and I'm like, man, what is she really known for? And then that's where I looked, Battlestar Galactica, which had been on my nerd radar. Maybe I should probably watch this at some point, but I probably won't like it, so maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> and so I started watching it just to see just to see her grow and see what she had done and, and why she b- became popular. And she did a pretty good job in that show. And 
I guess my opinion in the show can be summed up, and I don't remember if I finished it or not. Yeah, that's a show that was tough for some people. I'm a big science fiction fan. I was also a fan of the original Battlestar Galactica, which was much more campy back Mm -hmm. in the 70s. But it mixed science fiction with sex, religion, and politics. So it was something that was maybe not for everybody. And it also alternated between conceptual and action and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So it was a tough watch. But I I enjoyed it. It was only four seasons. So I really enjoyed it. But but yeah, Katie Sackhoff, that was probably, yeah, almost definitely the first thing I had ever seen her in. Mm -hmm. But I I watched that like when it was new, when it was live, Mm -hmm. week to week type of stuff. Went on to see her in Longmire. I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. heard of that. I don't know if you would like it. It's kind of a criminal procedural type thing. She plays a sheriff's deputy in that series. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. But she's very good in that. Yeah. And then, like you said, she's done some voice acting. So, yeah. For Battlestar, I wanted to like... I like... I mostly liked it. It just cut, cut the seasons down by half. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Any well, other actors popped mind or... Nothing really, but speaking of cut down by half, what about directors? Because <laughs> I know Zack Snyder's a pretty popular subject right now. He's got a lot of fandom behind him and a lot of haters. Yeah, Gee, I mean, which one are you on? As was made abundantly clear in the Snyder Cut episode, I am not a fan of Zack Snyder, and especially the Snyderverse and the superhero movies that he's made. Mm-hmm. So much to the point that right now I have still not watched Army of the Dead and I don't know if I want to because I have really gotten to the point where I, I don't think I like the way Zack Snyder makes movies or tells stories in movies. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll like it. It, okay. it. it brings up a way too many questions that don't get answered. Oh, that just annoys me. And, and there's a lot of, wait, so why did that happen? That also annoys me. But it looks cool. And that's the thing I think that he's probably known for. Yeah. See, I don't often follow who the director is. So I later found out that I am more of a Zack Snyder fan than I thought I was. Because there's a bunch of stuff that he made that I liked that I didn't know he made. Like Sucker Punch. Most people hate that movie. I really liked it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was the things that people didn't like about it that didn't make sense. I thought were kind of cool to watch. Okay. It made just enough sense to me that I could make it work in my head. So I kind of liked that one. And Watchmen. I liked Watchmen. You know, his his DC stuff. He did the what? what did he do the movie? Yeah. Okay. I actually did like that one. Yeah, I well, think like, so anyway. To your point, it's like I usually do not recognize pay attention to who the director is right i was forced to because of the snyderverse yeah and i think my, my bitterness over that is why i'm i but from what you just described i don't think i would like army of the dead yeah probably not i mean it's action shots which he's great at and that's pretty much what it is there's been word that he might grow that into some sort of franchise which okay maybe we'll see but i don't know it's it's just some action shots. It's one of those weird things. It's like, if I know who the director is, it's probably not for a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's one of those movies that it's turn off your brain and watch it and it's enjoyable. But if you think at all about it, 
you're going down a rabbit hole that you're going to hate everything about it. So, yeah, you shouldn't watch it. <laughs> now I almost want to just to see if it's as bad as you just made me think it is. <laughs> well, let me know. Then there are other directors, like Kevin Smith comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I, I'm usually well aware of something being a Kevin Smith movie, mm-hmm. and I have enjoyed most of them. Yeah, but he's... Most people, when they think Kevin Smith movies, they're thinking Jay and Silent Bob, and that's all they think about. They don't think about the other movies that he's done, like The Jersey Girls, uh, Tusk, <laughs> Yoga Hosers, which most people hate those movies. I like Jersey Girl. I did, too. Honestly, I, kind of, I thought Tusk was funny. I didn't see... It wasn't that. supposed to be funny, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> I did not see Tusk or Yoga Hosers. Yeah. Uh, again, you probably wouldn't like... They're, they're Shut your brain off and enjoy it. Well, it's not like... The Jay and Silent Bob stuff's not like it's super cerebral, but for whatever reason, I enjoy it. Yeah, but they're they're also not making storylines that are complicated. That's true. <laughs> Whereas Tusk is kind of like a wait, why and how would that work? Yoga hosers, kind of the same thing. I don't know. I just enjoy those because I think I see things from a similar perspective. Okay, I could see that. The other one that popped into my mind just because someone had brought it up on Twitter was M. Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. as one of those per- people who was like, the movies are either good or they're horrible. There's like no in between. I don't know that I've ever enjoyed any of his movies, but I've, <laughs> I've probably only seen like two. I, I, I think Signs, that was him, right? Yep. I watched that and I was like, why did people like that? I think he did Sixth Sense, though, didn't he? Yeah. Like that, I said, that was he, pretty good. Like I said, he has movies like Sixth Sense, which are really good. And then he has other movies that are like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. So, yeah, there, he's definitely a hit or miss type of guy. But he also has somewhat of a distinctive style as a yeah. director. So you, can, you can kind of see because well, he makes movies that are a little bit weird sometimes. Well, after like two of his movies, it's like, okay, let me guess. There's some sort of surprise twist at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So yeah, some of them have been pretty bad. Even even Zoe D- uh, Dashanel could not save one of them. <laughs> Which uh, one's that one? I can't remember the name of that, but that's the movie where like the trees decided to kill everybody. Trees? Yes. Trees. Yes. Now you almost have to like look that up. I'm looking that up. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg was also in it. Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Dachanel were the the leads in it. And basically, Mother Nature decided to try to wipe out most of humanity because we're bad. But then... Sorry, dead space, because I'm looking this shit up. (laughs) The Happening? The Happening. Thank you. Yes. That was M. Night Shyamalan, correct? Loading. (laughs) Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, ding dong. Yep. Yes. Yes. So that's one of the movies that was like, oh my God, was that movie fucking terrible. Now I kind of want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, that's one of those people who's like, yeah, you kind of know. But like, there are movies like The Sixth Sense that were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But there are so many of his other movies that were just really bad. On, on the opposite side of that, you got like a Joss Whedon that's known for making everything just very likable for the general audience. No matter what it is, it seems like. Yeah, he's, I mean, uh, a lot of TV shows that I enjoyed watching early on, things like Angel and Buffy and Firefly, mm-hmm. all were varying, had varying degrees of success. And then obviously he's made a lot of movies. 
MCU and otherwise. Well, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion, like, if there's a TV show with a strong, nerdy fan base, pretty good chance he was part of it. Yes, in one way or another. Yeah. Like, his recent series that I've watched, The Nevers, on HBO. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I really enjoy that. I'll have to give it a try. What's funny is the fact that I even know who it is, because all of those shows that he's popular for, I've never seen any of them. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it's I think it's like the Avengers is the only reason I really even know who he is. I never watched Buffy. You know, I was like, why would I? I'm that's not my demographic. Was my thought. I never watched Firefly because I didn't hear about it when it was on. <laughs> the brief time that it was yeah, on for the three days. <laughs> Et cetera, et cetera. I just, it just never occurred to me to watch any of those shows. I didn't think they were for me. Mm-hmm. But now I'm looking back and going, oh, maybe I should watch them. And then I look at my watch and I'm like, do I really have time to tackle that? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. The movies were probably better to stick to. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it kind of boils down to, I mean, there's, in fandom, there seems to be select groups of fandom where you're going to like specific things and you're probably not going to like other things. And being a fan, you're probably more likely to let some things slide to enjoy it more if you're a fan of it than if you're not. And the same thing, if you're not a fan of it, you're probably going to pick on it a little bit more. I think there's something to be said that, you know, you should try to get out of your comfort zone from time to time and and try watching something that you might not like. Like, again, uh, A Cabin in the Woods was done by Joss Whedon. It's a horror thing. It's like, I'm not really into the horror genre. I didn't watch it because of Joss Whedon, but I was like, oh, let me try something. I heard a lot of things about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it was done by Joss Whedon. Thor's in it. <laughs> Not the character. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Helmsworth is well, in it. Uh, same uh, thing, Veronica Mars. Neither one of us should have liked it, but right. we did. Exactly. So sometimes it's worth trying uh, stuff out that you're not a fan of. But I think it definitely does, especially nowadays with this, there's so many things out there to watch. So many options, so many streaming services uh, in so little time that you end up watching what you're a fan of. I've heard, especially during the pandemic, there's a lot of people just hitting, going to Netflix and hitting random. That Yeah, that play something option. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. And and finding new fandoms to be a part of. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll accept you. For the most part. <laughs> Just don't say the wrong thing about the wrong thing. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating. Write a review. Reach out to us on Twitter at Fanboy and Hater. Email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N Where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.